Well, hi, everybody. This is a podcast for the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs. I am the Executive Director, Steve Strand, and uh, we're very pleased today to have as our guest uh, from the Grand County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Tom Jones. Welcome, Sheriff. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. And so um, a lot of our listeners um, to this podcast will know a great deal about the Grand County Sheriff's Office, but some won't. Can you just talk uh, a little bit about Grand County itself, you know, the community, uh, sort of the demographics, and then also the sheriff's office, and uh, you know, how many deputies do you have, and uh, you know what areas of responsibility and jurisdiction does the sheriff's office have? You bet. Um, so the population of the county is uh, about 90,500 roughly. Um, we have approximately just under 2,800 square miles from border to border, north and south, east and west. Um, with actually actually over 3,000 of actual road miles. So there's a lot of road miles in our county. Um, we have a very diverse county with uh, 13 incorporated cities um, within the, the boundaries of the county. And as well as uh, approximately 42% of the county population is Hispanic. So we have a very diverse uh, county in Grant. And the, um, in Grant County, the I mean, it's, it's an agricultural county. Talk, if you could talk a little bit about um, what types of agriculture, you know, is Grand County sort of focused on? You bet. It, it's a majority. The mainly is uh, agricultural to include uh, um, onions and asparagus and apple orchards and a ton of vineyards now and um, hay and alfalfa. And so we are a, a very, very large dependent on on our agriculture in the county. Mm -hmm. As you're talking about the size of Grant County, 2,800 square miles, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd have to double check, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's bigger than Rhode Island and bigger than Delaware, so bigger than at least two of our states in our country. It, it is, you know, and um, as far as our, our sheriff's office go, we have, you know, 53 commissioned officers from myself down to the newest uh, personnel, and so you can imagine the amount of uh, road miles that one individual deputy has to, to cover from border to border. And then as the sheriff, and this is true of, of many sheriff's offices, not all, but many, you also uh, manage the, um, the Grant County Jail. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what is, what is your average population? Where is that located and, and how, how do you um, operate that? So the Grand County Jail, um, born or uh, built in 1986, uh, is attached here at the courthouse campus in Ephrata, the county seat. Um, it houses roughly 185 at maximum capacity. Um, obviously, we can talk a little bit later about uh, what that has done reference uh, COVID. But mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we have about 41 corrections personnel that run that, along with about 20 support staff that also uh, assist with that operation over there. Okay. So, in, in, you know, this is like many states, Washington is such a diverse state um, geographically and in terms of demographics as well. And you talked a little bit about that. And, and you think about um, a county like Clallam County, uh, Grant County, um, Ferry County, uh, Clark County, and all parts of our state, King County. Um, one state, but they're just so different. And um, Grand County in central Washington is one that, uh, you know, you have your own uh, challenges in your community. So my first question is, before the COVID public health crisis, before this started in February into March, um, what, describe if you could 
what were your biggest challenges um, as the sheriff of Grant County in, in, in your office? Um, so before COVID, you know, what were the, the, the bigger challenges you were dealing with? Um, you know, we have been very fortunate, I think, as a sheriff's office and as a county, um, both, you know, fiscally and um, um, as a sheriff's office. But one of the things that, that we have seen before and after, obviously, the topography of our county is very unique. Um, so it's coverage wise, it's, it's very tough. Um, but what we were seeing before and what we have seen even more of uh, since uh, COVID um, is reference to criminal activity. It's, you know, our property crimes have, because we're such a rural county and sometimes our response times are just that, they're, they take a long time to get to a location. Um, but with the, uh, the reduction of uh, you know, DOC inmates and then us having to reduce our jail to try to do our part to um, stop the spread of the, the COVID, um, we, have, we have seen an uptick in, in that, um, as well as when they shut the schools down and businesses down. We also seen a jump in our domestic violences as well. And so those are the two main things that we are, are currently battling. Um, and again, like we talked just before the podcast, um, the, the kind of the aggressiveness of the, just the motoring public um, that we have taken kind of a, a relaxed, so to speak, approach to traffic enforcement. So. So, and it's a great point you bring up. So it, when this public health crisis occurred, the stay-at-home order came from the governor, you know, as we start to work through those things, and of course the, the giant economic and sort of personal life disruptions that, that this has caused in our state and across the nation around the world, um, the, you know, so much of this, and that disruption has certainly, it changes the way people live their lives good and bad, and, and you mentioned some of the trends you're seeing over the past few months um, with these changes. Uh, domestic violence has increased, property crime, uh, you, you mentioned that that has increased, particularly in a, in a area with such a large geographic area where you don't have two or three minutes of response time sometimes like some cities do. Um, how, talk a little bit, if you could, about how your deputies are handling those changes, particularly with the potential risk themselves in terms of, of contact, uh, you know, which I always say that everyone's supposed to social distance, but you can't always do that in law enforcement, of course. Um, so how are your deputies handling that? And as the sheriff, how are you, you know, what, what sort of direction and, and support are you providing for that? Yeah. Um, so when this first started, um, obviously the first and foremost is the safety of our, our staff and um, we know that they're first responders and, and law enforcement's not the only first responders. You know, there's a ton of them that, that are doing this day in and day out. So one of the things, first things that we did was um, kind of relax those, uh, those aggressive um, duties that they have in discretionary time, such as traffic stops and those kind of things. But also what we did is we equipped all of them with uh, their PPE, their personal protective equipment, and required them when they're on these lawful contacts because they never know when they're going to be violating, so to speak, that social distancing rule. And so they were required to wear masks and as well as gloves on, on contacts when they were going to a house. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, what's, what's your direction been or what's your philosophy been 
for your deputies in terms of the the stay-at-home order um, potentially getting phone calls or, or 911 calls about, you know, here's a big group that's that's uh, together and violating the order or people that are out and about that shouldn't be. Um, what's your philosophy been on that? So we have taken, from the very beginning, we have taken a uh, an education stance on the um, on the stay-at-home order. And a, and a perfect example of that is our Moses Lake Sand Dunes. It is a 3,000-acre ORV park and everybody in the state of Washington knows that um, although I closed the park to camping, I did not close that to day use recreation. And so one of the, the biggest tasks that our folks uh, out there in the sand dunes had was making sure they were driving up to these camps and if they weren't social distancing, educating those folks about the importance of it. Um, and, you know, I did take a little heat uh, initially, but I think our, our staff has done a fantastic job out there making sure that um, these folks are being educated and if they are seeing those violations to, to stop and talk to them. So. And sort of what I'm hearing you say too is that this approach focusing on education, focusing on talking to folks, explaining why this is important, that I mean, generally speaking with some exceptions, that's been effective? It has been effective, it, it really has. Um, you know, we have a we have a very again um, close knit county that people want to do the right things for the right reasons, and obviously the the ORV park is a little bit different because we have a lot of tourists that come from outside the county to use the park, and so I mean people are people are I think well educated on the precautions they need to take. I think just sometimes you know when you're out there in those kind of environments that people just either don't pay attention or they sometimes forget. So we just want to be out there to make sure that, that they're reminded. Right. So I've noticed that one of the, first of all, I would just say your philosophy on in education and engagement has been one that I've seen very consistently from, from chiefs and sheriffs uh, all across our state. Uh, and, and their experience has been, I think, similar. Um, and I, I think your leadership on that is something that's been important I've seen that in other communities as well, but certainly you see that in Grant County. Um, the I've noticed that there's a lot of attention paid, particularly in the media and sometimes in social media on, you know, here's an example of somebody doing it wrong or here's, you know, an outrageous example. Um, and there's sometimes this message of, you know, government is here to tell you what to do and government is going to do these things. Um, talk, if you would, about being an elected sheriff and the accountability you have to your county and why, in terms of, of enforcing anything in Grant County, why the fact that you're an elected sheriff and that direct accountability is so important. So just on this, this past, you know, six weeks or so, um, obviously I have constituents that I, re I am responsible to and they they know how I feel about the Constitution, especially you know when it comes to the Second Amendment, and and they really lean on me. I can't tell you the number of phone calls and emails that I have received, people wanting to violate the governor's order, people saying, asking, Sheriff, you're the elected official, you're the you're the head law enforcement agent of the county. We need your guidance. We we need your support. We want to violate this order, and we need your support in doing that. Um, I know that a lot of other 
law enforcement personnel have come out publicly and said X, Y, and Z about the governor's order, whether they're going to enforce or not. I have not done that. Um, but what I do tell my constituents is, is it's there for a reason. I mean, we had a, a very, although I would consider low for the amount of population, um, we did have a pretty good spike in, in confirmed cases. And there's a reason why this is happening. Um, and the, the quicker we get folks educated and following the governor's order, the quicker we can get back to full recovery in the county. Yeah, and, and sort of that balance between, uh, you know, your accountability as a, as a sheriff, an elected sheriff, um, your attention to the needs of your community and uh, economic well-being as well as public health and how we have to balance those things moving forward. I think that's a, that's a great message. I really appreciate that. Um, let me ask a question, if I, if I could. You mentioned the very high percentage of Grant County. I think you said 42% um, that is Hispanic. Um, and, and you also, being an agricultural county, um, farm, farms are essential. I mean, they're absolutely essential during this public health crisis, of course. And so how do you um, manage communication and ensuring trust and a comfort level, particularly with a non-English speaking community in Grant County? Um, and again, particularly at a time where messaging and communication is so important, how have you been doing that? And have you seen success with it? So one of the things that we have prided ourselves into is the way we do our, our media and our social media platforms. I think that we have a, a great system in place to be able to communicate with the public. We have now on some of our social media platforms have anytime we put out something in English, we put it out in Spanish as well, as well as written documents to the, to the communities that have the majority that are, uh, of that diverse population. And so um, I think that has been very successful for us. The other thing is when this COVID started, we partnered up with the health district who, who does this all the time. And um, through not only our outreach with the Hispanic communities, but the health district's uh, outreach, um, we have really, I think, reached out to a bunch of our, our local communities to educate them um, one of the things that I did want to say is reference our, our agricultural businesses that um, these workers go out and, and work every single day um, because if they don't work, they don't get paid. And so that was one of the biggest concerns with me when I first started driving around and seeing these big farms and they were operating. So one of the things that we did as a sheriff's office and the health district partnering, uh, we went out to... Uh, such as these H2A camps, these migrant camps that were, you know, everybody getting into a bus and going out to work. We were issuing the the managers, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of masks that saying, hey, if you're going to, we know you're essential, we know this needs to be done, but I think there's a way that you can do this in a safe manner that would prevent the uh, the spread even further. So super proud of that. And um, it's it actually was very successful. Um, and a big thank you from several of our larger agricultural businesses. Well, that's, I had not heard that before. And it, again, I think um, so much of what you see as a focus in the national news and, you know, here in our state is about what the federal government's doing, what the state is doing, sometimes the impositions and the, the conflict that are going on at those different levels. But what a great example that you just mentioned of the local public health district, the local elected sheriff, um, 
you know, paying attention to your community and going above and beyond directly for those areas that you know are an issue in your county. And again, I don't, in my, this is just my opinion, I don't think that gets enough attention right. out there. Um, and I would also ask uh, folks listening to this podcast, if you have not checked out uh, the Grant County Sheriff's Office um, uh, Twitter account or Facebook account, um, I use it all the time as an example of this is how you do it and you do it right. And to communicate with a, um, a diverse community, I, I, I really commend uh, you and your team, Sheriff, for the great work you do um, communicating uh, with the community. And have you, I, I'm just curious, have you gotten any feedback from uh, particularly um, uh, Hispanic groups or groups within your, your uh, county about you know, whether that's been effective and whether that's something that's worked for them? So we have, it's mostly been through the health district because they are, they're on the, the ground level right in each of these communities um, day in and day out. And so we are, but we're sometimes on the negative end most of the time. But um, we have seen in some of the more populated uh, communities that they're saying, thank you. Um, we didn't know. Um, thank you for the equipment. Thank you for the education. And so I, I couldn't be more proud, of, to be honest with you, of our health district that uh, they've really taken the, the lead on the on the education and and they're getting some good feedback from it. Good, good. One of the one of the um, some of the feedback I got from uh, from Yakima, both the city and the county, um, was also concern within the community about um, whether these changes would lead to people getting, you know, pulled over or checkpoints for things like IDs or papers. Um, and that has has never that it, that has never been done and won't be done. Um, how how did you communicate that, and was that something else that was important for for residents of Grant County? We did because I don't know if you recall, but right at the initial onset of this, uh, you could go onto I believe it was the state's website and print off. You know, I'm an essential worker, or the bosses could go on and print off I'm an essential worker, and then they would carry that in their vehicles and. We did not um, even touch that, and so with that, we did we did postings saying, "Look, we're not stopping people to see if they're essential or non-essential. Um, if you have business to do, it's it's your right to do that." So, um, so we just did a hands-off approach on that. Right. Last question I have for you, uh, Sheriff, is um, you you talked about public health and the great job they're doing. Um, have you found this? Uh, coronavirus crisis and sort of the changes we've gone through. Um, I mean, what have you learned? What sort of what have, have been the lessons learned in terms of, you know, if you could go back three or four months, is there anything you would have changed? And, and I'm particularly wondering about um, that relationship with public health, maybe the fire departments, um, you know, some of those other county agencies and state agencies that, that, that have sort of become more critical to us. It's, it's kind of twofold. Number one, this crisis is going to change the way we do business from here forward. Um, even from as simple as, as the amount of times a person washes their hands in a day. You know, I, I know I say that tongue in cheek, but um, it's, it's true. The other thing is, is that it does, it brings agencies closer, working closer together for that common goal. I mean, we all have, as first responders, we all have that common goal to do the right thing all the time and do it for the right reason. But you would get into a crisis like this. And especially in our County, I can speak specifically that um, everybody came together and it was again for that common goal to, 
make sure that our folks stayed safe and that we stopped the spread of this, this uh, COVID disease and so on. And uh, just as I, as I finish up, one of the things I want to mention is I think that, that that's part of an important message that as sheriffs and chiefs, we continue to send, which is um, for the, for all the conflict out there. Um, I think most communities are exactly where, where you just described, which is we fully acknowledge the serious nature of this, this health threat. Uh, also fully acknowledge that economic well-being and people's personal liberties are extremely important and we have to balance those moving forward. And, and I, I think there are a few groups better positioned to do that than elected sheriffs and accountable chiefs. And, uh, and you are one that I think has shown uh, tremendous leadership and I really appreciate what you have done and will continue to do. And uh, I want to mention as well to our listeners to this podcast that um, Sheriff Jones has been uh, very active with our state sheriff's association as well as the uh, waspic the sheriff's chiefs association and we appreciate uh, his leadership and uh, very much appreciate your time this morning sheriff thanks for being with us thank you